Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today as always by my friend and co-host. Once upon a time, he was falling in love. Now he's only falling apart. What can he say? It's Micah. Oh man. <laughs> Oh man. Well, okay. So two things. One, <laughs> one. I'm gonna start off by doing by taking a sip out of this black like my soul coffee mug <laughs> that that Thor got me. It's delicious. I saw it and I I know that was a good. That was a good slurp. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I know that Micah loves his coffee black so much. So I saw a mug and it said black like my soul, and I was like. He must have it. Yeah, it's great. I love it. <laughs> and it's good. The The fonts, solid fonts. Not talking papyrus. It's it's good. Yeah, yeah it's good stuff. It almost reminds me of like a, I don't know, like a sign you'd see in a 50s jazz bar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, old timey. Um, maybe even like an old barber's type of, type of font. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so Total Eclipse of the Heart. Have you heard the version with William Shatner? <laughs> no. Does he do the thing he does with Rocket Man? Um, he does the thing that he always does in every song that he's in where it's not singing. It's just Shatner being Shatner. Um, there was, in one of the shows that was all about singing, there was an Asian guy who could sing like crazy. I don't remember his name, but he would sing like Dion, uh, Celine Dion songs. He would sing Mariah Carey songs, and the dude could rock it. I don't remember his name at all. He did... William Hung. No, it was not him. <laughs> he, that, that, guy, that guy... I kind of feel bad for him, because I feel like he became America's punchline for a little bit, and then he got a record deal, and... Y- yeah, no, it's very... <laughs> I, I, I think that's a regrettable time for an entire nation. <laughs> Where we were all like, hey, let's laugh at this slow guy, <laughs> basically. What, was he? It Was he? I don't, I don't know. He was borderline. There was something going on sure. there. There was something going on. He, just, he was so tone deaf, and I think, yeah, America was like, look at this idiot. And then, and then some record company goes, let's capitalize on this oh, and yeah. give this guy a record deal. I think he's saying, uh, don't break my heart, make you break your heart. I'm pretty sure he did a version of that, too. But uh, no, this other this other Asian guy who could I mean he can sing, uh, and he's got a, a higher pitched voice, so he sang Bonnie Tyler's part, and the then William Shatner just sang, "Turn around, bright eyes." <laughs> Every now and then I fall apart, and and the, they did it live, and this guy is belting like he's singing so much he's sweating like he is. He's giving it his all. Like, he's putting on a show. And then you've got William Shatner just, Turn around, bright eyes! Just doing his whole thing. I love it. Oh, it was great. It was absolutely great. I love William Shatner. I think if William Shatner covers a song, that's the best version of that song. Mm-hmm. William Shatner did a whole album with Ben Folds. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I have to hear that. It's so good. So yeah, folks, we um we're gonna be getting in to Enter the Dragon. Speaking of, I didn't even 
plan that segue. Speaking of Asians. Yeah, yeah speaking of Asians. <laughs> I didn't even plan that segue. Um, we're going to be getting into Enter the Dragon. But first, we have some news um, and some other news. What, what do you want to get into first, Thor? You got to go bad news first. Bad news first. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, I regret to inform you, if you have not heard, that the late, now late, and great... Jerry Springer has passed away. Yeah. That stinks, man. That's a big part of my childhood. A li- you know, that was um that was a bit of my childhood that was a secret thing where <laughs> Yeah, like... I imagine I'm not surprised your parents were like, turn that trash off. Yeah. So like my sister would watch it, but she watched it knowing how awful it was. And you know, it was a guilty pleasure type of thing for her. And for me, I was young to the point where my parents were like, don't watch that. And that, it was kind of in the heyday of those weird talk shows. Like Ricky Lake was around at that time. Oh, yeah. Montel, uh, Jerry Springer, Maury. Is Maury still around? Is he still doing his thing? I'm not sure. Was Jerry honestly. Springer still doing his thing? Or did he retire? I don't know. Yeah? I mean, I know he, that show went on through the 80s, the 90s. And certainly into the early 2000s, Yeah. as far as if it went going, I think he had retired. Yeah. God, I hope so. I mean, how many times can you see a toothless hillbilly trying to figure <laughs> out who the dad, who the father of her kid is? Yeah. Hundreds yeah. of times. How, apparently. I wonder, I wonder how authentic all of that was. Do you think that those people, like how much of that is real and how much of that is them and they know that they're on TV? It's to my understanding that some of it is was fully scripted. Okay. Or at least not necessarily scripted, but they were like paid actors. Okay. I don't think all of it was though. I could be wrong. I'm not. Yeah, was, that also could have just been something I heard somebody say sure. once and I'm like, that's true. You ever do that? Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um and if if it was that case, I wonder I wonder if the audience was in on it. Or if they'd put on a show and the audience would not know that it was scripted. Yeah, I don't think the audience knew. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. That was a closely guarded secret in yeah. the Springer world. <laughs> Cause you have to imagine like because I'm sure some of those were real. Oh yeah, I would think so too. Like there are people in my family who could have been on that show. <laughs> so I know those people exist. Yeah. But in the sheer numbers of doing a show five days a week for God knows how many years. Was it five days a week? Wow. Probably something like that. Wow. Yeah, those daytime guys, all they work a lot. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, well, that, that stinks that he's gone. Um, you know, like his show or not like his show. He's been around for a bit. And... He's a cultural icon. Yeah. R.I.P. Springer. Yeah. Here's to you, buddy. Um, so on that note, on a, on a second note, we got mail. Speaking of the 90s. We have got mail. Yeah. So a package arrived at my house. Okay. And it is addressed to the Get Wrecked podcast. Oh, boy. And it is from one of our oldest and most faithful viewers, listeners. Not viewers, listeners. Yeah, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle, she came on the episode. Uh, she had recommended, she was the first person who recommended something to us from outside the show. Yeah, she recommended the platform. Yeah. Yeah. 
Love Michelle. Love talking to her. Yep. So she sent us a package. I have no idea what is in this. Yeah. She's been giving me some like inside thoughts as far as like what she's thought about certain things that she's listened to. Like um, over the garden wall. Yeah. Anytime we say something about bad about Lord of the Rings, oh man, we I hear, hear it. about it. <laughs> <laughs> we hear it. So so Thor is opening up uh, a brown package. All uh, right, I see what it is. You see what? Oh no, what are we getting into, Thor? I think we're playing this this weekend. <laughs> what? This is a Seinfeld trivia game, and based on the <laughs> box. The game looks like it was made in the 90s. That's it looks so like it was cool. made when Seinfeld was on TV. Oh my gosh, that's a great. It's Oh my god, and there's little cutouts you go through a board. What? You can be Kramer or what? George or Elaine you or You go through Jerry. the apartments? Yeah. That's so cool. It's a it's a trivia board. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're going to have to play that this weekend. It's <laughs> so cool. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's um it's a standard you know Seinfeld with a nice uh nice cast and crew of them hugging, uh nice blue background with the Seinfeld logo and that in that yellow circle, uh ellipse guess. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, who is Jerry's favorite superhero? That's on the back. Do you know that one, Thor? Superman. Yeah, it's Superman. <laughs> Duh, we got this. We got. We'll have to team up for our uh, for our party game. <laughs> Considering that I think. Nobody else is going to... I think that we're the only people, really, that like Seinfeld in the group. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it depends who's there, but for the most part, probably we're probably going to be the only people who want to play. That's true. <laughs> That's true. We'll have to force everybody else to play. It's it's our, it's, uh, it's our friend Denise's birthday, too. So we're like, listen, Denise, you are playing. <laughs> and you're going to be George. <laughs> She's such a George. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you, Michelle. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. Very cool. <laughs> yes, we're absolutely going to play this. And uh, we'll see who wins. Whoever wins, we'll let you know. We'll let you guys know. <sighs> um, What are we getting into? Enter the Dragon. That's what we're getting into. Are we getting into Enter the Dragon? Are we going to enter the dragon? I don't like the way you phrased it, but yeah, let's enter the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep, I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, guys. Well, we're going to talk about some Bruce Lee. I'm so excited. I love Bruce Lee. He was my, like, childhood hero. Uh, young Micah... Did a whole bunch of martial arts growing up, even into teen years, Micah uh, quit around college time. But Bruce Lee was an icon. I think that he was the reason that I got into martial arts, like so many um, kids my age. Really? Okay. Yeah. I love Bruce Lee. I woke up uh, every day wanting to be Bruce Lee when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, I did... 
I was so excited to do uh, martial arts. I did Taekwondo first, and then I went into this Korean martial arts style called Chanjido. And that sounds made up. It, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we moved here in uh, to Pennsylvania, I started taking something called Shotokan which was like an old school martial arts. That sounds like a character from Mortal Kombat. Shotokan, yeah. <laughs> well, in Shotokan, th- that was not a fun time. Like, Taekwondo for kids is fun. It's like fun time for kids. Mm-hmm. Lots of kicks. Uh, you know, they make it fun. Shotokan was not fun. They were, like, you would line up for your ranks, to uh, for your tests, to get your stripes on your belts, or to rank up. And I remember one time we all had to stand um, in formation and the sensei had a suspicion that somebody didn't have their cup on. So he grabbed a bamboo staff and hit all of us in the nuts, like from the floor up uh, to verify that we were wearing a cup. Cup check. Yep. And somebody wasn't. And they didn't rank up that day. (laughs) You know... Part of me thinks like that's pretty dope. That's like a that's like a hard nosed instructor. I like it. He was a hard nosed instructor. And then there's another part of me that's like that just sounds like child abuse. I mean, <laughs> it builds character, Thor. <laughs> it builds character. Guess who never forgot their cup? This guy. Anybody who was in that class that day. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not the kid that got hit in the nuts. <laughs> yeah. So they're like their fun days were. Um, like they would throw bean bags at us, basically like baseball swing them, and we had to catch them, type of thing. Or we would jog around the dojo, and we would have to like practice falling so that we could fall and get used to falling and getting hurt falling, and then get up. They were they were intense. This sounds like you were training to be in the Russian army. It was. It was. <laughs> it doesn't sound like martial arts. It, I mean, it was. <laughs> it was martial arts. It sounds like endurance training to be drafted. <laughs> <laughs> We did a lot of sparring, did a whole bunch of stuff. It was it was pretty cool. I really enjoyed it. Um, and then I left it for a little bit, and then I got into something called Universal Combative Concepts. And that was essentially, it tried to simulate if you were to get into a fight in a real-world environment. That's basically what it was. So there was no gi. Uh, we did have belts, but we didn't dress up in geese or anything like that. It was just t-shirt, sweatpants. We kept our shoes on the entire time because the sensei was like, if you're going to get into a fight, it's rare that you're going to get into a fight barefoot. So let's do things in a practical setting. So, so yeah, the whole, the whole practical thing is, is kind of a nice segue into Bruce Lee. How did, what do you know about Bruce Lee? That sounded really accusatory. I'm sorry. Thor, give me your thoughts on Bruce Lee and the knowledge that you have on him. Okay, prior to going into this, yeah. I knew a couple of things about Bruce Lee. One, I was kind of familiar with the way he moves okay. and his and his fighting. A lot of that's from Liu Kang in Mortal Kombat and Lee in Tekken. Yeah. So a lot of that is derived from those games. Sure. Um, and I also know he does a lot of, oh, here, how? <laughs> yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, was it was it interesting seeing that in action? Because Law from Tekken and I mean every fighting game has a Bruce Lee trope now. Every single one. Yeah, of course. Um, and Law I think is very very 
I'm gonna say true. He's a he's a fictitious characterization of what Bruce Lee was. Yeah. But I mean, could you see all of the reference for it? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, I knew that. Kind of was familiar with his look and his fighting style. I guess. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'm familiar with the fact that Jackie Chan got his start as like an extra in Bruce Lee movies. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I am, I know for sure have known since I was a child is old white dudes fucking love Bruce Lee. If your dad grew up and was a teenager in the seventies, he <laughs> fucking loves Bruce Lee. Absolutely. Yeah. Loves him. Yeah. I remember my dad was the one who introduced me to this movie. I, who, uh, I, who, yeah. Didn't have any doubt of that. Yeah. Introduce me to Bruce Lee. Um, and I think that that is like a a weird rite of passage with a father and son type of situation. At least for our fathers. I don't know if your dad showed. Oh, well, yeah, I guess your dad actually, didn't show this movie. He never watched the movies. Yeah. But goddamn if he didn't make the Bruce Lee noises and the little hand gestures and stuff. And sure. pretend like he was doing Kung Fu and be like, oh, oh. <laughs> Yeah. So um, specifically, we're getting into Enter the Dragon, which is Bruce Lee's last film. Um, it came out in 1973. This was his last film. Yep. Okay. This was his last film. Um, it came out in 1973, and he actually died right before this movie came out. So the movie's super old. We'll talk a, a bit about it. Um, obviously, that's why we're doing the show. So we might talk about spoiler stuff. We talk about spoiler stuff, folks. So that's what we're getting into. If you haven't seen Enter the Dragon yet, first off, why? What the hell? Uh, second of all, go watch it. It's I found out it, it's on HBO Max. Yep, that's actually where I ended up watching it. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, it's on HBO Max. Um, the story basically, it's super 70s. I, I watched it uh, again after I recommended it to you. And this is the first time that I really watched it as as like a full, fully grown adult like it's been a long time yeah, trying since to analyze it and come up with points to talk about it yeah sure. yeah it's super 1970s spy film did you get that vibe yeah yeah but it just happens to have martial arts in it like all the way through it so yeah basically there's this uh this evil warlord who warlords is uh, probably not the right term but this evil guy who has an island who runs a dojo on the island, but secretly he's doing, like, heroin and prostitution and stuff like that. I have a lot to say about this guy, so we'll, we'll get to him then. But. <laughs> about Hans? About, yeah. The, uh, the former Shaolin monk who became a drug kingpin uh, sex trafficker? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got some thoughts. <laughs> got some thoughts on him. So uh, some government agency comes to Bruce Lee because Bruce Lee is Bruce Lee. And he, uh, they say, they basically tell him that they need him to infiltrate. He's having a martial arts tournament on the island. So Bruce Lee goes in and some side characters come in and it kind of follows their escapades on the island, figuring out what's really happening behind the scenes, ultimately leading into an awesome fight between Bruce Lee and uh, the hand man, as, as he was called. By, oh man, what's the guy? Williams. Yeah, Williams by Williams. Like, bullshit, Mr. Handman. Hand <laughs> oh man. What'd you think of the side characters? It, primarily it was Williams and then Roper. 
Um, <laughs> Williams is so funny. It's basically every black stereotype rolled into one character. Yeah. <laughs> the, honestly, the biggest surprise of the movie was that when he's like, I'm just trying to find something to eat around here that he didn't say, man, they ain't got any fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> so I, once again, it's a product of its time. Sure. So well, and- it was so funny. I'm watching. I'm like, this is absurd. He's literally every black stereotype in one character. I loved it. It was very funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, he honestly is one of my favorite characters. I yeah, love his character. He's great. So he, it was a guy named Jim Kelly who played him, and this was his first role uh, ever acting. Okay. Yeah. He was, uh, he was a martial artist, and they had some other guy that was on deck, basically, to, uh, to be this character, and the guy bounced. And so they're like, well, this guy just won, like, a national karate tournament. So let's go talk to him. They went and talked to him. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll be in the movie. And then this actually started his career. And he did a number of films after this that was, I guess, in the peak of the like exploitation cinema drama. I, I got a lot of vibes. I, actually, watching him, I was like, I feel like a lot of Black Dynamite inspiration was taken from this character and this guy specifically. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's the definition of cool. He's uh, he's got like the coolest afro. He's got so much swagger. Yeah, he's the real black dynamite. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> he's pretty awesome. So yeah, that was Jim Kelly. Uh, and then the other guy was this character named Roper. How'd you feel about Roper? <laughs> he's like, I'm golfing in a turtleneck sweater. Let me go step into the woods and just kung fu kick a couple guys <laughs> real quick, and then go back to my game. Yeah. I mean, it's a 1970s action film, right? <laughs> yeah. That's that's how the martial arts films were. Um, and I like how characters... The concept of like character development is just different than, obviously, what we think today. Because for them, it's like, here's this guy. His whole personality is he's an addictive gambler. And that's just his personality. Yep. That That's his motivation. That's basically anything that comes out of his mouth. Basically, anything he does, it's always, how can I bet on it? He's a degenerate gambler. Yeah, it's a fun character. I like the guy. He's very cool. Yeah, he was, he was an interesting he, I mean, he had way too much eyeliner on throughout the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, so he evidently, that was a guy named John Saxton, or Saxon. Um, he evidently was an actual martial artist. Growing up, watching him, I never believed that he was a martial artist. Just the way that he fought in the scenes. He never struck me as somebody who knew what he was doing. Like he didn't know how to throw a kick. Agreed. Yeah. But evidently he was a legit martial artist. Um, yeah. Some white boy fucking some white boy martial arts. Yeah. He goes on to be in, I'm pretty sure it's nightmare on Elm street series. He's, he's pretty big in, in that. Okay. Yeah. He ends up playing Lieutenant Thompson from a nightmare on Elm street. Of course. Yeah, I'm not a big horror fan, so that doesn't do much for me. Yeah, same. So, and also, you know how old he was in this movie? John Saxon was 32. God, men aged horribly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's no way I would have said in his, he's in his 30s. I'm like, this guy's in his mid-40s. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Easy. Sure. Yeah. That's how old Bruce Lee was, too. He was 32 years old. Well, and Bruce Lee looks like he's 20. Yeah. Me and Kendra were watching it, and she's like, how old is he? And I'm like, my guess is probably like 
mid 20s early 20s or something yeah he was 32 yeah holy cow she thought he was like 18 i'm like (laughs) he's definitely not that young so at this point he's like an established yeah well the dude has no body fat on his body his body is insane like it's unsettling he has (laughs) dude bruce lee's body looks like like an anorexic gi joe or maybe like like the rock today if he was a shrinky dink like if you had the rock and then you just shrunk him down his body makes no sense it doesn't make sense if you put bruce lee in a glass of water yeah and he shrinks up to the rock or grows inflates to the rock yeah that's funny um yeah the dude was a physical specimen he was in probably better shape than i think anybody that existed before him Almost certainly, yeah. Um, he would do, so his, he was quoted, not quoted, he was, they say, that he would do elevated V-lifts for extended period of time, extended periods of time. So if you're not sure what that is, that is, um, imagine sitting down on the floor and then having your legs straight and then lifting your legs up to the point where your legs make a part of a stem of a V and then your butt to your head makes the other part of a V. And then he would hold himself up on his hands. He would like push himself up and hold himself up in that for extended periods of time. That's ridiculous to me. Um, he would do tons of like yeah, one no, finger push ups. Yeah, no, I like thought I pulled a muscle walking down the stairs the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, <Dude's laughs> it's foreign to me. He's an alien. Yeah. He's from fucking outer space. <laughs> it's wild. Evidently, while he was on set, a lot of extras challenged him to fights so while he was on the set of enter the dragon he was getting into legitimate fights with people because they would just challenge him and then he'd just beat the shit out of him real quick and then go to the next scene you've seen once upon a time in hollywood yeah because there's a scene where uh uh brad pitt's character gets in a fight with mm-hmm. bruce lee you think it's inspired by that by those stories maybe oh maybe for for sure yeah for sure i could definitely see that that's an interesting thing, too, because there's a lot of people now that come out and they say, well, Bruce Lee was tough, but, you know, I could take him. Because he was small. He was a small guy. He was like 5'7". Oh, yeah. And and I think that he weighed 150 pounds. He was he was light. He was very, very light. Yeah, he's a small guy. Yeah. He's uh, a small Asian woman, <laughs> basically. <laughs> like, yeah. If you, if you put him in a dress, you wouldn't be able to tell. Wouldn't be able to tell. Ah, man. He, uh, so yeah, this was his last film and every film prior, I think was mainly done in Asia and he started to get big recognition. He was born in California, but he was raised outside of the U S so he had U S citizenship and that's how he was able to come over and, and start making movies. A big thing for him is that he wanted to change the way that Asian culture was represented in films. Because I guess at that time, in American cinema, they were always like the Chinese guys working on the railroads type of type of thing. That's how they were always depicted. Yeah, I get that. I do got to say, though, I watched this movie, and I felt like I'm pretty sure this movie is solely responsible for everyone thinking that all Asian men have the same bowl-cut hairstyle. <laughs> <laughs> or all Asian men know kung fu. Yeah, there are just tons and tons, like all of the guards, all of the students, um, all of the prison inmates that get released. 
everyone knows some type of martial arts. Yeah. Even the, the prostitutes, the, <laughs> the the women who are sex slaves. Yeah. They all, know Kung Fu. They know Kung Fu. They know martial they arts. They can stick an earring through an apple flying through the... Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so those are our main characters, right? You've got Roper, you've got Williams, and then you've got uh, Lee. Just goes by Lee in the movie. The, the villain is this guy named Han. So he is an ex... Oh, wow. I'm just noticing that now. Nobody has two names in this whole movie. It's Roper. It's Williams. It's Lee. It's Han. It's... Yeah. And and the um the other... Like, the, the bad guy with the scar on his face that Bruce Lee ends up killing, his name was O'Hara. And then the, the like, jacked Asian dude, his name's Bolo. That guy had a crazy body, too. Oh, yeah, that dude's... Like, weirdly proportioned. That dude's jacked. Like, jacked. He got in... He was really into, uh, like, powerlifting and bodybuilding. Oh, you can tell. And... Because he... Because <laughs> A wildly disproportionate body. Yeah. His legs... It looks like he could probably do 10 squats and he'd be needing to take a breather. But <laughs> but he could fucking lift a goddamn car. Yeah, so he plays one of the high-level henchmen of, of the island. And there's a, a, a moment in the movie where Bruce Lee sneaks out at night because he's trying to figure out what's going on in the island. And on the other end, Williams just wants to take a stroll. So unknowingly... Because both... he just got done plowing four different girls. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he just wants to take a stroll. Um, so Bruce Lee goes out and he ends up uh, fighting some guards. He doesn't kill anybody because he's trying to stay incognito. He's all like, I was about to say ninja up. And then I thought that that might sound racist. Um, he, I mean, but he, he's, I mean, he's wearing a black suit with, yeah, a, no, with he's, a black hood. He's definitely doing ninja stuff. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean that in like a negative way at all. But but he is he's doing some espionage stuff. He's trying to figure things out. But nobody knows that he's doing it, and he's, his face is covered. People do know that Williams is out. So the next day, Han is like, it seems that you guys aren't satisfied with my hospitality. What's important is not that somebody was out, but it's that my guards were so ill-equipped to, to deal with you. So we're going to kill them. And in front of everybody... They bring out uh, Bolo, this like massive jacked Asian guy, and he ends up fighting these guards who look like children. Yeah, this it makes no sense. <laughs> They're like, these are my guards. Like you have a bunch of high level kung fu guys. Yeah, and you have these idiots who can't fight at all. These little skinny t- twinks. <laughs> so he, it's a terrible guard force. <laughs> he he proceeds to fight like four of them at once. Um, and he kills them all basically by squeezing them. How'd you, how'd you feel about that fight scene? I mean, it made sense. Once again, he had a crazy disproportionate body. I believe that he could squeeze somebody to death. Yeah. He, he crushes one like a baby. <laughs> he like cradles he holds him like he, a baby. <laughs> he just holds him and then he just, <laughs> just crushes him. Yeah. Good times. Good times. <laughs> So, Thor, maybe we uh, get your initial impressions, initial thoughts. What was your overall take on the film? It's it's absurd. It's certainly a... Because uh, you're watching this. I'm watching it with nostalgia vision. It's certainly right? a product of its time. So, 
I don't think this movie is intended to be a comedy. Okay. But it was <laughs> but to you? But for me, it was. <laughs> okay. It's a, And I get it's... I get that the time it was made, you have to account for that. Mm-hmm. So, but for me, I was just... I was laughing at most of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was not, like, thrilled by anything really in it. More so... The enjoyment I got out of it was like, are you seeing this shit? Are you kidding me? What is this? <laughs> um, I, there is one piece, though. I get the fascination with Bruce Lee. I get why people... Like, I get the like kind of obsession with him. Mm-hmm. And not even in the fighting. Obviously, all the actual fight scenes, I think they hold up. Yeah. Especially his. He's... Some of the other ones, not so much. Ropers. But, yeah. <laughs> I Williams a little bit too, but obviously his fight scenes are incredible and they felt dynamic. It didn't feel like I'm watching something from 50 years ago as I was watching that. Yeah. I was like, this is still very good, but not even necessarily that because there are a lot of people who are great at martial arts. There have been a lot of great Kung Fu actors. I'm sure there's something else about him. That's very just dynamic and engaging and i first noticed it it's pretty early in the movie there's just a scene and it's just him and he's talking to the gravestone of his mother oh yeah and essentially talking to his mother like i know you raised me not to do this and it's just a pretty much a straight straight on camera looking at him talking to a headstone mm-hmm. and just his intensity in that scene and the way he delivered those lines I was like, oh, I get it. He's cool. I get why people are fascinated with him. Because once again, you can be great at Kung Fu, which he obviously was. Mm -hmm. You can have an insanely jacked body that makes no logical sense. But that thing that he had, that's something else. It's just something inherently him. This like intensity that he has when he speaks and when he does things. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know honestly if people give him credit for that. I don't know if that's part of the appeal. But watching it, I was like, oh, I get it immediately why people are so fascinated with this man. That's really interesting that that was the scene that did it to you. And not any of like the fight scenes, not any of the the action stuff cuz his fight with Ohara, who Ohara ends up killing, you find out that Ohara killed his sister or kind of got his sister to kill himself. Or kill herself. What a stu- Oh my god, that's... <laughs> <laughs> She's like, okay, I'm being chased. All these guys, they come up and they just try to hug her all of a sudden. She's yeah. like, no, when she runs away and they start chasing her. Yeah. And she's just kicking them, kicking them in the head. Why is, why is everybody their go-to just kicking stuff? It's flashy. <laughs> that's, it's flashy. Like every problem they come across, they're just like, first move is kick. Kick. Kick to the head. And then they corner, and she's like, and she's obviously, she has fought many people. She can handle herself. Yeah. And rather than be like, okay, I'm cornered, I'll let them take me, and then I'll figure a way out. She's like, nope, I'm going to grab a shard of glass and just stab myself in the stomach and kill myself immediately. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, I feel like that wasn't Ohara's fault. <laughs> That's not a heart. That is that is an insane reaction. I'm watching. I'm like, are you mentally ill? What are you doing? 
that's not an appropriate reaction to being cornered by people. Uh, maybe. Me. And it's not like they said, hey, we're going to grab you and sell you into sex slavery. It was just some guys on the street that tried to grab her. And obviously, yeah, they have bad intentions because people don't just come up and try to grab you. Try to hug you. But stabbing yourself in response to that is an overreaction. She couldn't have tried to keep fighting. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think that I would have continued to try and keep fighting. But I don't know, man. I've never been chased by a whole bunch of martial artists like that. So, but anyway, so Bruce Lee finds, like, he gets a confrontation with it, uh, with him. The only interaction that Bruce Lee has had with O'Hara prior to this was Bruce Lee is doing a kata. He's practicing in his room, and O'Hara opens the door, and he's getting all the martial artists to come down, like, the first morning. And he's like, everybody needs to be in uniform. And Bruce Lee's holding his leg. He's doing a sidekick thing. He does this cool move where he does a front kick and then just moves his leg over to the side to get in formation there. And he's like, everybody's required to be in uniform. And Bruce Lee just looks at him and goes, outside. Like, get it doesn't there. even really make sense. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he was telling him to get out. <laughs> well, I get it, but like, he could have just said out. Yeah. But outside means like, uh, I, I don't know. It's like, wait, are we, are we going outside? Yeah, that's where I'm going. That's where you need to be. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> it felt it felt confusing. Thor, you need to be an evil uh, drug lord's bodyguard. That needs to be your role. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have what it takes. <laughs> I would love for you to be in that situation. Be like, hey, we all need to be outside. Outside. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, that's where we're going to be. That's so where... you're going to be there? We're good? Cool. Thanks. Cool. See ya. <laughs> But the fight scene between them, uh, that's one of my favorite martial arts fight, scene, fight scenes of all time. And it's not really a legitimate fight. Like, Bruce Lee just knocks the dude out real quick. <laughs> he annihilates him. Yeah. Um, Bruce Lee had this thing called a, they called it the one-inch punch. And again, Bruce Lee has so many myths and fables around him. He's, like, been promoted to deity status in the martial oh, arts yeah, culture. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know if it's true, but obviously we all heard the stories that he was so fast they had to slow him down on film so you could see it. That, I believe, was true. I don't know if that was true for this film. It was certainly true for uh, the Adam West Batman TV series. Okay. Because he was in the Adam West Batman TV series as Kato, the Green Hornet's uh, sidekick. Oh, neat. He, fu- he fought Robin. Oh, cool. Yeah. And in the script, uh, Robin was going to win against Kato. And Bruce Lee was like, never, ever in my life would I lose to him. <laughs> he, was, he refused. You, you got to appreciate somebody with that kind of integrity. Yeah. He's like, I would never like, lose to like, him. Like, I'll do your show, but I'm not going to lose. Yeah. Like, that would never happen. Um, and, and so they they rewrote it so that Robin and Kato would be in a tie. Like, And then their fight gets interrupted. Something like that. But yeah, he just the hits that he did in the fight with O'Hara, so intense. That's like one of my favorite scenes. They were very cool. Is that I, I preferred the final fight. I thought it was really good. The, the one with Han? Yeah, when they're in that room of mirrors. Yeah. That visually, that is just a very cool scene. Yeah. It's hilarious. So can we talk about Han? That's his name, right? Yeah, yeah. Once again, he's a former Shaolin monk. It might be Han. It's H A N. I believe they said Han. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a former Shaolin monk who decided I'm going to dip my toes in uh, drug kingpinning and uh, being a worldwide sex trafficker for the world's elite and rich. And essentially when he's talking to Roper at one point, he's letting him in on his business because he's trying to ask him to join. He's like, I'm in the business of corruption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. What? And yep. they even full on have he the scene of him stroking a white cat. Oh, yeah. He's a legitimate it's, bad he's guy. He's definitely a Bond villain. It's hilarious. And he's walking around in this compound where he has women in glass cages being given some kind of drug that, like, brainwashes them or something. And, yeah. And jail cells full of drunks. He's like, they were drunks from the bar. Yeah. Doesn't really explain why he has them, but he's like, they have no other, like, they've just given up. They're always drunk all the time. So we put them in this jail cell in the cave under my fucking island. Mm -hmm. He has a vat of acid just rolling around. Just rolling around, yeah. So it makes sense that he would have a closet that's just a funhouse room of mirrors. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the (laughs) scene... The scene visually very cool, sure. But the fact that, they, that his closet is just a giant room of mirrors, mirrors. like a funhouse, it's like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I mean, the, there's a checklist that evil villains have to have in the '70s: cat to pet, right? Mm-hmm. Vat uh, of acid. Vat of acid. All right. Secret island lair. He's got that. So, you know, women uh, in cages. Women in cages. Being brainwashed with some kind of unknown drug. Yeah. Uh, a funhouse room. It's probably on the list. Yeah. Yeah. But in any case, that scene was very cool. I loved that. It was probably just a really neat idea somebody had, and they were like, how do we make this work? Yeah. Because that's such... It was such a cool scene. I imagine. Because that, that concept of like a person chasing somebody or people fighting in a room of mirrors. Mm -hmm. I've seen done before. Yeah. Tons of times. And things that were made after this though. Yeah. I'm curious if this is the first time that was ever done. This is the first one that I know of. Um, I mean, maybe it was done prior, but it's a really, it's a genius idea and it's, it's so well done. There's specifically where like all the mirrors are kind of lined up and you kind of see, his reflection moving across it. Yeah. Yeah. So they, like, they're not, um, they're not side by side perfectly. They're all kind of angled a little bit. So it catches the reflection differently. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I don't care what year, what time frame this movie is from. That's a beautiful scene. Yeah. So cool. Cinematically, that was pretty great. What did you think about the fact that Han or Han had a replaceable hand? (laughs) Jeez. I mean, it didn't feel out of place to the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. He has all these different hands that he replaces and he ends up with like a, <laughs> like a knife hand. It's like three Bowie with. knives just attached to each other like claws. But prior to that, he had a hand shaped hand that was some type of old steel or iron. And that's what he ended up killing Williams with. He beat him to death with that. Um, and that's when he, they, that's when the reveal came out that he had the hand Cause yeah. he, cause he took his glove off and it was just that. And it's funny cause before that happens, they don't really draw a ton of attention to his hand. Yeah. And then Williams just calls him 
or whatever he says. Yeah, that's what you think, Mr. Handman. See, I think he was calling him Handman because his name is Ham. No, I think he was calling him Handman. He was calling him Handman? Yeah. Maybe that's the case. That would make more sense. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) called him Han. You're thinking Han Solo, I think, from Star Wars. I don't think anybody called him Han. No one calls him Han? I think they called him Han. Han? Okay. All right, maybe it was. Yeah. Maybe it was bullshit Mr. Handman with a with a D on there. Maybe. <laughs> so yeah, he's got that. Um, at some point, he's got like a bear claw. It's just, I don't know why you would want that as a hand. It's just a really poorly made like, bear claw that he used into a fight. And then with his, with his fight with Bruce it, Lee. Yeah, it's basically like a, uh, what is it, the garden tool? They make garden tools. Is like it a trowel? Something like that. It? Or I don't think that's what it's called. But you know, you that's a gardening tool. It's like a little hand hand rake for like di- like uh Yeah. Moving dirt. hmm Yeah. But there was like fur on it on the back of it. It was it was very badly done. <laughs> and then how do you feel about the um the reveal of because he's when he's he goes and he gets Roper, he being Han, and confronts him and he's like, We know it was you. And He's he goes suddenly. I'd like to leave your island, and he goes, "Nope, that's not possible." And then these henchmen come in, and I love probably my favorite line of the entire movie is he looks back at Han and he goes, "Man, you come straight out of a comic book." <laughs> yeah, dude, he's so cool. He is so cool. I genuinely so much fun to watch. That yeah. guy was awesome. Yeah. Um. I mean, so you know how the story goes. Even if you haven't seen the movie, it's a 1970s spy film. Oh, actually, my one of my favorite lines from the movie, also Williams. Oh, yeah? And it takes place, co- so before the they get to the boat that takes them to the island, mm-hmm. you're getting kind of the story of how Williams and how Roper and how Lee all get got to, they're going to this tournament. Sure. And so each, they do the same scene like, two times and it's basically the whole scene is a guy riding in a boat looking off into the distance that goes way too long because they're <laughs> on like a little paddle boat being paddled to the big ship that'll take them to the island yeah and then and, you get that classic like wavy uh thing that happens when they're thinking of a memory yeah it's kind of what's going on to each of the characters but each one it's like a five minute scene yeah. of them just Look, it's like music playing, and they're just riding on a boat, looking off into the distance, and then it flashes to like B-roll of just people going about their lives in a, presumably some kind of Asian city, uh, catching like it's like a very like a waterway. So sure. there's like business on this. God, what would you call that? Like a canal or something? Yeah, lots of like fish markets and things like that happening. In the yeah, background. and so it's just five minute long scenes, music playing. Here's Williams looking off the boat, and then here's what he's looking at. And then let's flash back to him looking off the boat, and then let's flash back to what he's looking at. Way too long. But in any case, they get onto the boat, and Roper and Williams meet for the first time. And Roper says, man, can you believe these people live like this or something? And Williams go, ghettos are the same all over the world. They stink. (laughs) (laughs) So tough. So fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you find out that Roper and Williams are friends. They're like old war buddies from Nam. 
Okay, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, yeah, because they were like, Roper, and uh, he's like, Williams, and they, they kind of chat a little bit. Because then they're looking at everybody else, and they're like, who's this guy, who's this guy? And then they see Bruce Lee. Um, and then with with the fight that Roper had with, I forget which guy, but Roper, classic Roper, was uh, just gambling because he was, he was trying to get, get a bet going. So he was trying to throw the fight. He was waiting for Williams to get the money up as high as he could. So the, through the whole fight, he's like getting the crap kicked out of him. And he keeps looking over at Roper and he's like, not yet. Don't got him yet. Don't got him yet. And then Roper goes, I got him. He like gives him the thumbs up, gives him the nod. And then Roper just kicks the shit yeah. out of the guy. One of the, something funny that Kendra noticed, <laughs> she's like, man, these guys bruise easy. <laughs> Cause every time <laughs> he'll get you, they'll get punched. Yeah. And then it obviously like cuts and then it cuts back to them. And then they have this big purple bruise on their face. Nice shiner. Yeah. <laughs> Every time she's like, man, they bruise fast. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley watched a little bit of this. I mean, a little bit of this. She saw O'Hara and saw his scar, and she goes, that scar looks awful. And I'm like, it's the 1970s, and he's a bad guy. He's going to have a scar. And she's like, well, they could at least put some effort into that scar. Well, what they should have done if they were going to make it look like that is that he got his face burned. Yeah. Or yeah. like a hot knife cut his face. Because it because I agree. I thought the same thing. I'm like, why is his scar dark black? Yeah. Was, it, was that knife on fire when it cut his face? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. What a, what a good film. I love this movie so much, Thor. <laughs> I really do. It's so much fun to watch. It's, his, it's easily Bruce Lee's best film. Okay. So... We watched it on HBO Max. Okay. And you could watch the trailer for it. Oh, okay. And the trailer is from the 70s. Like, it was the trailer for the movie. Now, they they said this in the trailer. I don't know if you know if this is correct or or not. That it was the first American major, major kung fu motion picture. That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, because Bruce Lee was making so much strides in Asia. Um, they were like, hey, we want you to be in a movie. Okay, so his other movies before this, prior to this, weren't... They weren't American-made. They weren't American-made? Okay. No. And and I'm also curious if that really affected the plot and the reason... Because, like you said, it feels like a James Bond movie. Yeah. It feels like a spy thriller. Mm-hmm. So that's why I was kind of... I was kind of curious. There were, like, the other ones like this. Oh, the other Bruce Lee films? Yeah. No, not not really. Um they're okay. <laughs> they're okay. Like the end fight scenes are pretty awesome. Game of Death actually was really really good after they found the lost footage. So he was doing Game of Death. He was in the midst of that and then he ends up getting the deal for Enter the Dragon. So they held Game of Death off. He went and started doing Enter the Dragon. And then he ends up dying not too long after they finished filming. Rip. How do you die? So there's, oh man, there's a whole bunch of speculation around, around that. Is he still alive with Tupac and Biggie? (laughs) No, the, there's a lot of, there's a lot of like the Chinese mafia was coming after him. Um, blah, 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 blah. None of the general story is, is that 
he uh so he suffered hold on let me let me pull it up he he essentially died from taking aspirin he had an allergic reaction to a type of aspirin that he took um, okay and so he he was having pretty severe headaches and he ended up he was diagnosed with the cerebral edema whereas like brain swelling Okay. And uh, he was having a headache, took some aspirin, had a like a uh, basically an allergic reaction, hypersensitivity type of thing. His brain swelled up. And that killed him. Wow. So he, he laid down to take a nap. Never woke up. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. The guy who could probably beat anybody in a fight. Yeah. Right. Gets taken out by an aspirin. <laughs> Jesus. Right. That's wild. Yeah, yeah. So there was um, a little bit of a scandal with that too, because he was at uh, what they believe to be a mistress's uh, apartment or house. He died. Good. I hope he was. He died. He died there, not with his wife and kids. So that when the story came out, he's the most famous martial artist <laughs> and a movie star. He deserved to have a mistress. <laughs> so when the mo- when the news of his death came out, they initially said that he died in his house with his wife to to hide all of that yeah for sure and then it came out that that wasn't true so then a whole bunch of speculation was like oh what really happened okay that makes sense that once because people are like oh if once one piece of the story is not true yeah what are the other pieces that aren't true yeah that type of stuff so um they ended up finishing game of death with a look-alike and old b-roll footage that was initially scrapped came out did not do very well so that was released after enter the dragon but it was never really finished they basically like hodgepodged it together to finish it and then years years later like mid 90s they did a documentary and they about bruce lee and then at the end of the documentary they showed the lost footage of game of death okay neat yeah game of death was legitimately mortal Kombat. i say that like it is just yeah. It's there's like a hundred rooms, and he. Has it's just yeah. It's just a tower, and he's just going floor to floor fighting martial artists. Okay, that's all it is. So it's just fight scenes, and yeah, the very top fight scene is him versus Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Oh, that's right. You were telling me about this. Yeah, that's why that sounded familiar. Yeah, yeah. Which was a great fight. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a student of his, so he had like actual training. Um. Chuck Norris was a student of his, too. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Uh, and Bruce Lee trained under Ip Man. I don't know if you've seen that movie with Donnie Yen. Yeah, I saw all three of them. Yeah, so Ip Man, the true character, Bruce Lee trained under him. He yeah, I'm trained pretty under sure. Chun. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bruce Lee comes into that movie. Mm-hmm. Like in the... I don't know if it's the first one, but the second or third. I'm pretty sure they introduced the Bruce Lee character. Yeah, as a kid. Yeah, there there was a lot of um, a lot of issues with him learning Wing Chun because old martial arts styles they were so secretive and they were so like you cannot teach to foreigners at all. You can't do it. It's not allowed. Uh, And so Bruce Lee really didn't like any of that. And he ends up making Jeet Kune Do, which is his version, his martial arts style. But essentially, all it was was he wanted to take what worked from the various martial arts styles. 
and keep the practical stuff and get rid of all the stuff that doesn't work. Because each, each uh, martial arts style has some usefulness and then it has some things that wouldn't be useful in an actual fight. Okay. So he was trying to take parts of things that worked. Um, so they say that he's the pioneer for M- modern MMA because... Yeah, I was just about to say that sounds yeah. like um, that. But he also pissed off a whole bunch of like Chinese grandmasters and different dojos because that was not what you did. You picked a style and that was your style. So he got a lot of people angry with that. And that was part of the speculation, I guess, with his death too. Okay. Yeah. These angry Kung Fu masters came yeah. and fucking assassinated him. Yeah. Here, let me uh, shoot something at you real quick. Okay. So with this movie, tell me your thoughts on this. But I was, as I was watching it, I'm like, I feel like the primary plot device of this movie is people with shifty eyes. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many close-ups of somebody just with their eyes darting back and forth. Yeah. That's about 30% of the movie. <laughs> it's just close-ups on people's eyes going back and forth. That's, that's a lot of old <laughs> kung fu movies, man. Old kung fu movies were great. I mean, and this is probably the best of the old kung fu movies. There, if... If you didn't care for this, and I don't know, we'll get your rating here soon, but if you didn't care for this, then don't watch old kung fu movies because they're even worse and even more kind of uh, gaudy and just ridiculous. Uh, with that said, though, what I mean, what do you think, Thor? Where where are we sitting here? Okay. Um, I think I'm going to... And I would like to preface this with I'm not a big kung fu guy. <laughs> So I'm not a big Kung Fu guy. And, and once, and when I watched it, I was, I was more laughing at the absurdity of it all. I do think the fight scenes are really good. I do think Bruce Lee is a, I I get the, the magnetism of him. I think he's a very interesting person. Very hard to take your eyes off him. That being said, for me personally, I think I'm going to go like six out of 10. Okay. Maybe five. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would just watch this again. No. No. This is one where, for me, I, I'm glad Kendra watched it with me. Okay. Because this is one where if I just sat and watched it, I don't think I would enjoy it. Oh, okay. But it was great having somebody there to <laughs> to just trash <laughs> it the whole time. I'm like, you see this shit? What's going on? <laughs> And just joke and laugh about it. So in that sense, it was fun. But I, I would never just put this on and watch it. Yeah. That's that's kind of where I thought we were going to land. Yeah. That's that's kind of where I thought we were going <laughs> to land. And it does, I mean, it does feel a lot like an old spy movie, like an old James Bond movie. Yeah. And maybe if I saw one that was less like that, maybe I would actually like that more. Because I don't know if it was meant to feel funny at all. I don't think that it was meant to feel funny. Okay. No. No, I think that you're just laughing at the things that were a part of their time. Probably. Because yeah, yeah. that's how they did cinema then. Like, I don't know if the 70s were a great time for... Yeah, do you go on HBO Max, watch the trailer for it. Okay. It's equally as funny. I'll have to check that out. How different are trailers now compared to what they were? Like, compared to that one? Basically, it just kind of explained the whole plot of the movie. Okay. And like a voiceover guy explained the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I, I don't really know exactly how to explain it, but it's a movie. It's a vo- movie voiceover guy just saying Lee and uh, what's the guy who played? What's the white guy's name? Oh, uh, Brian Saxon. Brian Saxon playing whatever his character's name was. John Saxon. Sorry. And then the uh, Williams. Jim Kelly. And the world champion of Marsh, the world karate champion. <laughs> yeah. Playing Williams. Williams. <laughs> and, like literally. And then so-and-so playing my Ling. Okay. Like literally goes through every actor that plays every <laughs> character, every named character. And basically just explains the plot of the movie. <laughs> it's I, like a three minute long trailer. Oh, wow. That's forever. It's really long. That's yeah. Forever. It shows most of the movie. Jeez. Probably a lot of the good stuff. You know that John Saxon was. So this movie and then the Nightmare on Elm Street. Films, okay. Those are like what his, his biggest claim to fame are. Sure. He would not get in this film if his character died. So he was like, I'll do the movie. If. You rewrite the script because originally Roper was going to die. So they said, okay. So they rewrote the script so that Williams died. Do you think it was... Because when you said he's an actual martial artist, do you think that's maybe why they were like, we need a white martial artist? So they... And they're, at that point in time, they're probably pretty hard to come by. <laughs> <laughs> None of the Asians will train them. Um, no, th- so they actually specifically wanted three main characters... And they wanted them to be uh, an Asian, a white guy, and a black guy. Because they wanted this movie to appeal to as many people as possible. They said that they wanted to, wanted it to have the broadest audience that it could have. I honestly, I get that vibe because the scenes with Bruce Lee feel very much more serious and much more kung fu. The scenes with Williams feel uh, kind of that black exploitation kind of vibe. You know, that's the, interesting. And the scenes with, God, I cannot remember. Roper. Roper? Yeah. The scenes with Roper feel like a classic 70s, like, PI action film. Like, that shitty, he's just the shitty degenerate gambler. Yeah. Like, you kind of, the movie feels distinctly different based on who, like, which character has the center, the center at the moment. Yeah. That's actually interesting. I hadn't picked up on that but i can definitely see that for sure like the vibe of the movie changes a little bit to match the character that's that's a good pick that's a good catch thor i like that because nobody else is like talking jive like williams like honest genuinely i think his character was meant to be comedic to to some degree yeah yeah yeah. where and bruce lee's character was like he was deadly serious the whole time and honestly i don't think that guy could play anything besides deadly serious i don't think so he either doesn't seem like a guy who could do dude that scene uh where han weirdly walks into the party and he starts having his ninja prostitutes start <laughs> he like throws apples yeah and they take their earrings out and throw them throw into little, the apples yeah and then the one that uh bruce lee catches he catches it and like pulls the like dart earring out and he just makes this face. And I'm like, that's the most intense motherfucker I've ever seen. <laughs> is that he's, I, I get it. He is very cool. He's very intense. Uh, this film, um, it cost $850,000 to make. How much do you think it made? Of all time, still to this day? 
Um, let's say it doesn't mention or like it's box office yeah let's or... say it's box office okay yeah uh well, we gotta adjust for inflation um well so yeah so okay. i've got two answers i've got what it made and then i've got the adjust for inflation rate okay i was just fucking around i, <laughs> I couldn't do that oh i've got your door i've got um, the inflation i'm gonna say it made 10 million uh this movie made 400 million dollars wow okay. worldwide it is the most successful martial arts film of all time. Okay. Just for that reason alone. It made $400 million in 1973. Better than Bulletproof Monk? Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here with Bulletproof Monk. That movie's Monk. so stupid. <laughs> so bad. So the adjusting for inflation rate is over $2 billion. So the movie was really successful. Yeah, for sure. It was really successful. And you know, his son, Brandon Lee, played the crow. I did not know that, no. Yeah, yeah his son played the crow. I um, thought he was a white guy. He's half white. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's, that. yeah, Brandon Lee was his son, and his son died on set of the crow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Didn't finish. So there was like this long kind of conspiracy about the uh, the Bruce Lee, or the, the Lee curse, the family curse. Did Brandon Lee have any kids? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So if I was them, I'd be looking over my shoulder <laughs> constantly. Yeah. Or, or I'd just be like, I'm never going to act. Sure. I, I think I'll just yeah. not go to movie sets. I'll never or, do that. Yeah, I'll just I'll, do something. I'll I'll be a librarian or something. There you go. <laughs> something where nobody gets mad at me and yeah. you know, plots my death. Oddly enough, that sounds like a great film. Like, look, my grandfather... <laughs> died of the Lee curse. My father died of the Lee curse. I was trained with martial arts, but I don't practice it. I want to be a librarian. All right. And then he's a librarian and then ninjas pop out they of the still library. come for him. And then he, yeah. <laughs> dude, I'd watch that movie. I would watch that. All right. We got to have a love interest. So the love interest would be, Oh, it's gotta be the girl who's a regular. Yeah. And right? she's, and she's like, uh, She's like a lawyer. She comes she comes to the she comes to the library to do research on cases and stuff and she never Ooh. really pays him time cuz he's he wears glasses and he always has like a a sweater vest on. Sure, you can't and, tell how ripped he and is. And he's like, "Oh, hey." And she's like, "Yeah," and just walks by and, and doesn't pay attention to him. But at some point he has to save her. Like she's in the library when the ninjas attack mm-hmm. and he saves her and she's like, "What?" And then she has to help him get away. Yep. And throughout the course of the film, she falls in love with him because she realizes he's not just some bookworm dork. Yeah. He can do Kung Fu. I'd watch it. Oh, man. I'd watch it. Get Harvey Weinstein on the phone. Let's make this thing happen. Get somebody else on the phone to make it happen. But why? Something something wrong with him? Uh, (laughs) No. Is he not making movies anymore? No. What's going on? We might as well title this movie Enter the Librarian. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. So, um, you heard it here. Five out of ten shifty eyes. That's you didn't know that that was our category, but that's that's what you gave it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, what do you guys think? Are you a fan of Bruce Lee, or maybe not so much? Maybe it's too old and gaudy. I don't know. 
if it's if it's not your cup of tea, I totally get that. But for me, I'm a big fan. So uh, let us know. Get a hold of us, especially you in Belgium. I see a couple of you. I see some listens. Check us out. Send us some things from Belgium. I want to know what's going on there. Send get... us a case of beer. Oh, definitely. Don't do that. be stingy. Send us some beer. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. But we're not going to give out our address just on the show. Yeah, no. Send us a message. Yeah. I'll tell you where you can send that beer. And you can you can contact us on Facebook or Instagram at Get Wrecked Podcast or contact us directly by email at getwreckedpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Nice, nice. So, um, Thor... I think it's that time. What are you getting us into next week? Well, I'm going to let you choose. Oh, okay. I got two two choices for you. Would you rather watch a recent but rather critically acclaimed dark comedy or a documentary about podunk hillbillies from Arkansas hooked on meth? Oh, my gosh. Uh, the documentary is sounding really enticing. Okay. All right. We're going to go with it then. Okay. The other one, I'll save it. Okay. So I'm going to have you watch a documentary. It's available on HBO Max, and it is called Meth World. (laughs) Meth World? Or no, I'm sorry. Meth Storm. Meth Storm. Okay. Meth Storm. It follows, well, it follows kind of two parts. It follows this family in Arkansas who basically the whole family is meth addicts wrapped up in the world of meth. And then it also follows the the local DEA office in that area. That sounds Busti- fascinating. Busting meth dealers. This sounds fascinating. It is. Once again, this is another thing that's not really meant to be a comedy, but it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Okay. Yeah, it All is. Right. Yeah, it's wild. So the family, are they uh, buyers or are they suppliers? A little bit of both? A little column A, a little column B. All right. So they're just in the world of it. (laughs) Yeah, but they are. Ooh, they're they're fun. They're they're fun? Okay. (laughs) They're fun. And and what's the name of it again? Meth Storm. Meth Storm on (laughs) HBO Max. I believe the documentary is from like, 2016 2017 relatively so yeah it's a little bit older but not uh, not that old yeah geez 2016 was what eight years ago six years ago math seven years ago seven years ago that's crazy split the diff yeah (laughs) (laughs) all right next week meth storm meth storm on hbo on hbo max all right well uh until next time folks As always, you get wrecked. Stay wrecked. Yep. Woo!